episode number 37. Welcome to the Higher Life Podcast, lessons from authentic Judaism. Get the inspiration you need for personal growth. Hosted by Rabbi Mitterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Eliyahu Mitterhoff with this week's Higher Life Podcast. In this week's podcast, we have a special holiday edition Hanukkah, Chutzpah and the Secret to Success, which falls into our portion of the week, Meketz. A powerful parable about who should get taxed, a great story about Rav Shach, and peace in your home, divorce in the past and the present. And now, the Torah portion of the week, with novel ideas from the classic commentaries. So Rav Volbi speaks on Hanukkah, and he speaks about the Hanukkah as a time for chizuk. It's a time for us to strengthen our avoda, our service to God. He brings down a story that one time he was having a very difficult time in the yeshiva, helping to support the yeshiva. So he went to the chazanish. The chazanish said like this, A person has to jump into the sea and keep walking until the water is up to his neck, and then the sea will split. In other words, a man has to do everything he can in order to get help from heaven. After a person's done his fullest extent, at that point, God will come in and help. God put the ball in man's hands. If we do everything we can, at that point, God will come and help us do more than we possibly could have done by ourselves. And he brings a couple of examples. One example is from this week's Parsha, when Potiphar's wife is running after Yosef. So Chazal tells us that Yosef was about to collapse. He was about to give in to her. And what happened at that point? He saw an image of his father. That, that that gave him the koach, the strength to not sin. So people say, wow, that's what's the big deal? If I would have seen an image of my father, I also wouldn't have sinned. Yeah, but you have to understand, he only had the siyat the shmai. The point is that he only had the help from heaven because he did everything that was humanly possible, he did. And at that point, the image of his father came in. Because that was the siyat the shmai, that was the help from heaven. The same story by the splitting of the Red Sea. We know that Nachshon walked into the water until it came up to his nose. At that point, the Red Sea split. Man has to do everything in his capabilities. But if he does, he will get super-duper strength beyond human capacity. So he wants to explain, he brings the Orachim that says the Kohanim were lax in their performance of the vote in the base of the Mikdash. The Kohanim, the priest, were slacking off inside the temple. So what happened? The Greeks came along and forbade the Avoda. They said, you can't do the Avoda anymore. That was Ben Shemaim. Since they were slacking off, there was a decree that you can't do it anymore. So how did they fix it? It was only after the Chashbanaim showed that they were willing to sacrifice their lives for the sake of the Avoda to work in the temple. At that point, they had heavenly assistance. Because there was no way physically that a handful of Kohanim could defeat an entire army. There's the miracle of Hanukkah. And they found one flask of oil, which burnt for eight days, which gave them the ability to do the menorah for that period. So we see from here, one of the essentials of Hanukkah is Messiris Nefesh. Chizuk, strengthening yourself. So therefore, if a person learns with intensity, and he davens better, he says that's the real lighting of the flame during Hanukkah. If we are Moser Nefesh, if we give ourselves over in the places where we are weak, that's going to bring salvation into that area, into that pachina, that aspect. And he ends off by saying that during Hanukkah, if we want to sit and relax because it's Hanukkah, he suggests the opposite. 
Instead, we should stand up and accomplish it. Why? Because it's Hanukkah. So Rev. Dessler takes this idea one level further. He explains that we know that eight means totally beyond. Six is like the six days of the week. Seventh is like Shabbos, which is the combination of the spiritual and the physical. And eight is totally beyond. We know that Hanukkah is connected with eight, with the eight days. But eight is totally beyond us. Just like Alamaba, the next world is also totally beyond us. It brings a Maharal that explains how come the Torah didn't describe Alamaba, the next world. So he says the Torah is Nevoah. And Nevoah means when a Navi, when a prophet explains something, he's explaining it in terms of what he sees and what he hears and what he feels. But this is only in terms of the senses. But Alamaba, the next world, is completely beyond our senses. The only way we can understand Alamaba is intellectually. With our minds, we know that it's there. So he says, in a certain sense, the deepest level of our spirituality is really beyond our reach. It's beyond the limit of our abilities. But God will give man over time, if he constantly plugs away, access to true spirituality. But in the meantime, he brings Rav Yusuf Salanta who explains, We may decide in a rational manner, but subconscious forces are not under our direct control and may override our decision. Our rational decision can be overridden by the subconscious. And he brings a wonderful example of this. If there is a Rav who also has a Talmud, he has a student, and he has a son. Now, what the student is an unbelievable student, and he's very proud of him. And his son is slacking off, and he's not so proud of him. But if in the middle of the night, he hears a fire in the dormitories, and both his son and the student are sleeping there, who will we run to first? To run to his son. Because it's subconscious. Even though his intellectual attachment to the great student is greater, but his subconscious, he will run to his son. So he explains that all we can do is work on the surface layers. We need siyat dishmai to get into our subconscious, to change our subconscious. We need help from heaven. So why did God put us in a position that is so difficult how are we going to succeed spiritually? The answer is that God put us into this position in order that we should summon and pull out all of our kokos, all of our inner strength. We should reach deep inside of ourselves to bring out our true inner strength. And then we have siyat deshmaya, hell from heaven, to be successful. We know the machlokas between Beis Shammai and Beis Hillel is it better that man be created or not. So they took a vote, and they came out that it's better he's not created. But Chazal says, but now that he's been created, he should subject his actions to the closest scrutiny. In other words, really, it's better man shouldn't be created, because man is going to fail. 95% of the people in the world are going to fail. It's a fact. But we have to be of the 5% that are going to succeed in the true purpose of what we're here for. Therefore what? Therefore, we should subject our acts to the closest scrutiny. We have to constantly check what we're doing. Is it pure? Is it right? But if Desla says, this could be depressing. <laughs> How am I going to succeed? The deck is stacked against me. I'm physical. I can't get to my subconscious. How am I going to become pure? How am I going to learn better? How am I going to daven better? 
How am I really going to be an Ever Hashem? So he explains just the opposite. The feeling that there's no way out is fundamental to succeeding in the service of God. Unbelievable. The fact that we know we can't succeed, that's why we have to come unto God. It brings a proof from Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu worked his entire life to bring the one God into the world, and now he's faced with this choice by Nimrod. Either you give up your beliefs or you jump into the fire. So the Yachud Shmoni says, he accepted the challenge and marched forward to what? To a miracle. At that point, a miracle happened. The fact that we can't succeed, that puts us in a matzav of a miracle because we have to succeed. That's what we're created for. It brings another raya proof from the Red Sea like I brought before. The sea is in front of the Jewish people and the Egyptians are coming from behind. What is there to do? So the Pasuk and the Chumash says, Why do you cry to me? Tell the Israelites to advance to the sea. So they started to go into the sea and the sea opened. So the same thing by Hanukkah. He says, any reasonable person could see that there was no chance for a handful of priests to prevail against mighty armies. There's no way. But having no choice, the Jews entered into the fray. And because they did, they gained the heavenly help beyond the physical nature. And that's the symbolism of eight. Totally beyond. The miracle of the oil lasted for eight days teaching us that if we do what we must do against all odds, help will come from a higher world. And Rav Desler calls this Aziz Panim Kadusha, Chutzpah to holiness. A person has to have chutzpah. He has to go beyond his limitations. So practically speaking, how does it come in? What do we have in our hands? We have the ability to wake up in the morning. Wake up every morning on time. We have the ability to daven, show up on davening on time, stay to the davening to the end. We have the ability to learn, show up every day for learning. That is in our hands. Whether we have siyat deshmaya or not, that's in God's hands. Whether we become a genius, a great rabbi, something special, that's in God's hands. But what's in our hands is the practical living of daily life, showing up to marav, showing up to mincha, davening. These things we can do. But most people give up. They say, what's the difference? I miss the davening. I miss learning. Okay, religion, there, you know, I'll do my best. But really, it's just the opposite. If you would do it to your greatest ability, so Hashem will open up new doors. That's the miracle of Hanukkah. That's the miracle of eight. That's what it means to light the Hanukkah light. Give it everything you got. Don't be Mijayish. Don't give up. Don't be depressed. You should know that if you do everything you can, God will make a miracle for you. And this is built into the nature of the world. And just the opposite, like Rev. Dessler said, the Kiddush should be knowing that you can't succeed on your own should give you hope. Because God made the world for you, for your good and your success. Here is a powerful So the Magid Maduma brings a mashal like this. There's a pasuk in this week's parsha that says, And Pharaoh said to Yosef, After Elikim informed you of all this, there is no one understanding as wise as you. So Pharaoh saw that God informed him, and since God informed him, there must be there's nobody more understanding than you. So he brings a mashal to explain this. 
One time there was a very rich merchant, a respected merchant in the town. And they, the, the people of the town, the government started to charge him tremendously high taxes. So he says to him, what do you, why do you charge me such high taxes? I got all this stuff on credit. It's not like I paid cash for it. He says, you're right. That's exactly why we charge you. Because the fact that you're able to get such credit is surely a sign that you're a very rich man. So the same thing. Once Paro saw that God was speaking to Yosef, must be since God chose you, there is no one with such understanding and wisdom. It's time for Great Stories About Great Rabbis. So once a man lost a very big fortune, he came to Rev Shach very depressed. So Rev Shach said to him, Man is very short-sighted. He doesn't really know what's truly good for him. It's like a baby. You want to bathe the baby. The baby starts screaming at the top of his lungs and the baby's getting a bath. doesn't understand that it's good for him. He says, once when I studied Yeshiva Tzlatk, I was considered one of the better students, both in regards to my diligence and my understanding. The better students were in great demand from the rich town people. All the rich men wanted the better students for their daughters. So they were in great demand. They would buy them apartments and give them respectable amounts of money. Now, what happened with Rev Shach? The Rosh Hashiva, Rev Isser Zalman Meltzer, proposed his niece to him, and he took her. The only thing is he didn't get any money, he didn't get an apartment, he got nothing. What did they do? Rev Isser Zalman's daughter and son-in-law, they were still newly married, and they had half room and they had many kids, so they cut the room in half, and they put together his niece with Rev Shach in, Rev, in, in, in the Rosh Hashiva's house. He said, I didn't care. All I wanted was, like it says in Tehillim, to dwell in the house of Hashem all the days of my life. I wanted to sit and learn where, the, where was the difference where I lived, if I had any money. He said, the other students, though, they started to feel bad for me. And they actually disdained me. They were like, what's with you? He said, I could say I didn't care, but the fact is they were right. So what happened after that? World War II broke out. The Nazis conquered Poland and the Russians were coming to Lithuania. He says, How, what happened though, my, all my friends, the good students who had houses, they hesitated. Why? They were homeowners. How can they leave? So they went back and forth, but the, by the time they went back and forth, many, many of them were killed because they hesitated. Me, on the other hand, I left immediately. I didn't have anything. I was saved. So you see that their homes were an obstacle to them. And me not having a home was a benefit to me. So he brings a riot from this week's Parsha. When the brothers came back to Yaakov and they said they have to bring Benjamin with them to Mitzrayim, he said to them, why do you treat me badly? So Chazal says on Pasek, says Rabbi Hanina, this is the only place where Yaakov speaks idle words. Hashem said, I'm involved in making his son the king of Egypt and he says, why did you treat me badly? Do you see everything that Hashem does is good. We just don't see it. Learn to give, love, and communicate. This is Peace in Your Home. The so Rav Dynamite speaks about divorce. Divorce in the past and divorce in the present. Why are there so many more divorces than there was before? He says, we know for a fact in pre-war Europe, there were hardly any divorces. He's going to bring down a couple of different reasons why there are divorces. One reason is that the parents back the children too much. As soon as the kid wants to get divorced, they say, okay, come home. 
they don't have the strength to say to their son or their daughter, you're not right. Why don't you go speak to somebody? Go to a counselor. No, they buffer their children from reality instead. He says, in cases where I convince the parents not to let the children come home so easily, in all those cases, there was no divorce. What will happen is the opposite. The father thinks he's a good father. He'll bring the kid back. They get divorced, and then he'll realize that he caused a divorce and regretted his entire life. So the first reason is parental backing. Another reason is the lack of refined behavior. It's because the couple do not act civilized with each other. Rudeness is rampant, and nobody acts like a mensch. Says if people on the street don't say hello to each other, so if that's the custom, so the guy will come home and won't say hello to his wife either. Why should it be any different? Instead of giving a little wave to his wife and then going to his room to do something, he should say hello to her, speak to her. Also, when the husband comes home, as the wife is on the telephone, she should say, listen, hold on for two minutes. Let me, let me speak to my, my husband. Say hello to your husband. Call the person back. Tell him to wait a couple minutes on the phone. It's called civilized behavior. Or the first thing the husband does when he sees his wife is, where's my toothbrush? It's not civilized. First you say, good morning. Hi, how are you? What's going on? Then you ask politely, do you happen to know where my toothbrush is? Can't always be on the offensive. You have to be civilized. So since that madrega has dropped a lot, so people get divorced. Third thing he says is coping skills. Everybody's spoiled. No one knows how to cope anymore. The Pasuk in Mishlei says, he who spares the rod hates the sun. So he doesn't mean hitting, he says. Even sparing your child from some kind of difficulty, in the end, you're going to wind up to hate your son because they have no discipline. They can't cope with anything. So sometimes he speaks to straying youths, people who go off the derech. So he says they're all joking around and laughing about the world. But really, they're having a very hard time. The world's beating them up. And when you sit them in the chair, they admit it. And why is the world beating them up? Because they don't cope. They don't cope with their parents, so they run away from their parents. They don't cope with religion, so they run away from religion. They want what's called the easy life, but there is no easy life. The less you cope with life, the more difficult life it's going to be, become. If you cope, if you can handle what's being sent to you, so then you're a mensch, you can handle it, and life is good. But if you can't cope and you're looking for the easy life each time, in the end, you're going to have a worse life. So it explains that some of the tools we have to give our children in order to cope for life is, for example, how to lose. The kids are playing a game. You have to teach a kid to lose like a mensch. Okay, you lost. Next time you'll win. Or a kid says, I'm never playing with him. I don't want nothing to do with him. The parents have to explain. There's all different kinds of people in life. Not everybody you're going to feel comfortable with. But you still have to deal with them. You still have to interact with them. If you don't learn to live with people who are not so likable, you're going to suffer a lot in life. Another thing is not everything in life goes the way you want it. You should do the opposite. You should teach your children. When I don't have what I want, I want what I have. Teach them to get by what they have. Have to adapt. Every person in this world is in a certain sense handicapped. Some people don't have friends. Some people don't have money. Some people don't have parents. Some people don't have brains. Some people don't have health. Everybody has something they're missing. But if a person doesn't learn how to cope with what, with what he's missing, he's going to be very unhappy. You should thank God for the problems you have. Give an example. One time he went on a bus and he heard an interview on the radio as after a war. One of the soldiers lost his right hand, God forbid. So the radio is horrible. He's complaining. It's heartbreaking. He says, how can I live like this? I don't want to be like this. I don't want to live. 
And then Minishimayim, two weeks later, he went on the radio again and another, heard another interview of somebody who, God forbid, lost their right arm. And he was saying, it's true, it's very difficult, but a person can live without his right arm. Thank God I'm alive. I have the rest of my health. I know it's going to be difficult, but I'm always going to live with a smile, he said on the radio. So you have two people in the exact same situation, and there's two different ways to deal with it. A person can't run away from his life circumstances. The same thing in a marriage. He says, I listen to complaints all day. So he says back to the person, are you going to get divorced because of that? What are you talking about? I have this, I also have the same problem. Your father has the same problem. His friend has the same problem. Everybody has these problems. Because of that, you're going to get a divorce? The person doesn't know how to cope. A child who's raised with a silver spoon will collapse as soon as any hardship arrives. They don't wind up in worse shape. Brings a story of once a very, very rich woman gave a ton of money to Sahal, to the Israeli army. And they invited her on her 60th birthday to show her everything that Sahal was doing. So they showed her the planes and the boats and the submarines and the guns. In the end, she sees the soldiers. They want to have attack us with all the soldiers. They have to run up this huge hill and come back with all their combat gear. They come back sweating. It's so difficult for them. So the lady says, you know what? I'm willing to contribute another million dollars. a true story. I'm willing to contribute another million dollars for you to flatten out this field that it shouldn't be so difficult for the soldiers. So he says, that, <laughs> it's a true story. He says, the country laughed three days about this woman who didn't know what she was talking about. But he says, that's us. We're going to make everything easy. If you make everything easy, nobody can cope and nobody could be happy. It brings a riot from Rav Yeruchim. Rav Yeruchim said like this, the Pasuk says, Yisachar is a strong-boned donkey. And later in the Pasuk says, he saw tranquility that it was good. So he bent his shoulder to bear. Because of he, had, he saw the tranquility, he bared his shoulder. So he says, what do you mean? What does bearing the shoulder, doing the work, have to do with tranquility? He says, just the opposite. In order to cope with life, if you bear your shoulder, if you cope with life, then you're going to have the tranquility. Withstanding the difficulties gives happiness. And what happened in this generation, the reason why there's so many divorces, because they can't handle the 20% that they're missing. They got a bad deal in life. The husband says, not only does my wife deserve any thanks, she deserves humiliation and curses. I'm disappointed, I'm angry, and I'm full of complaints. And her wife would say, what kind of husband is this? He's not worth it. It's a pity I married him. If I could, I would get divorced. The fact is, we never get 100%, and we have to be happy with 80%. And if we're happy with, usually if we're happy with the 80%, we get much closer to coming to that 100%. Okay, that's it for this week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share it with your friends. Have a happy Hanukkah. Thank you for listening. Your voicemail could be featured on the Higher Life Podcast. Just visit RabbiMinterhoff.com to ask questions or leave comments. 